welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts, Carlos Cooper, and with me as always, Joe Hilliard. And Dave Gurney. And we're back, baby. We're back in the stewed. We are. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's a little odd. I would hope our listeners can already detect the uh, the higher fidelity of, <laughs> yeah. of the sound here, uh, which which I'm excited about. But uh, but it's also just nice to be with you guys again in the same room as we're going to have this conversation or this series of conversations. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and especially... On this most auspicious of occasions, the day after Election Day is when you'll be hearing this, and so there's a palpable sense of tension, not not in this room specifically, but just in the zeitgeist throughout the United States as a whole, possibly across the world. You know, I hadn't really thought about that until you just brought it up, but our listeners may be elated right now, or horribly depressed, (laughs) or in a foggy cloud of haze but not understanding at all what's going on that is a very likely yeah i'm going with c is the most likely option i would would agree with that actually (laughs) seems like that those cards have been dealt well if you are in that haze or that fog right now uh probably what you need is is something in your glass and i know we definitely need something in our glasses and uh this is going to be the first bottle that we've actually shared actually shared yep. yeah. in over what eight months now is that uh, where we're close at? to Probably. yeah, yeah it's pretty November, close I mean. ever since the invisible man yeah and, and the beauty of this it's going to let us uh we're hitting a new state so this is pretty exciting, exciting stuff yeah. always exciting it's awesome um our first visit to kent falls brewing company they are out of kansas so our first beer from kansas this is their beer called In Media Res, which is actually a term used for saying that somebody's starting a story in the middle of the action, yeah. which is somewhat appropriate for actually both films in a certain way mm-hmm. uh, tonight. But um, this is a collaboration that they did with friends of theirs who have a business, Casa Agria Specialty Ales. They brewed it in the summer of 2017. It's a farmhouse ale fermented in wine barrels with a blend of yeast bacteria from both breweries. So they blended breweries, each brewery's yeast to uh, create a single uh, beverage that has uh, the complexity of, I guess, both breweries. So I- I'm excited to try this. We don't always get uh, a farmhouse ale. I mean, we've had some Jester King and stuff, but uh, yeah. this will be something a little different for us. Well, certainly sharing that bottle will be different. Yeah. Yes. this is. It's been a... Um, trading of cans yeah so that we each have three of the same beer for every beer that we have been trying during the course of the pandemic there's definitely so this is it's like seems like old times passing the bottle around definitely and i mean there's definitely a part of me that to a certain extent um celebrates the idea of not having to pound three 16 ounce cans (laughs) and just the idea that in the morning I may have a little more uh, get up and go. Get up and go, so I can get. I kind of enjoyed my, it. It was my, my Monday night <laughs> reservation for drunkenness. <laughs> I mean, look, I don't need a reservation for drunkenness. <laughs> well, mon- Monday night was Existence the night. Is your reservation? <laughs> well, it's for good to see you guys in person again. Hey, cheers. cheers! Cheers! The DGM is on point tonight. Mine too. Jeez, but you know, already the head on this it. 
It smells like a farmhouse yeah, ale. Um, Get it in the jaw hinges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you, you, you know, there's going to be a little tartness there. You know, there's going to be likely um, some just uh, earthy kinds of flavors. Uh, but but I'm excited. Also, you know, but but a lightness to it, an effervescence at least yeah. in the nose. So Definitely. I'm excited to sip on this while we uh, tear into. Uh, we learn that is of the zeitgeist. We yeah. learn 14 years later that Borat has a daughter and she sleeps in the farmhouse. <laughs> yes. Oh, there we go. Done. Connection. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. There it We're is. doing Borat, and how could we not? We just, uh, of course, finished up four weeks in a row of horror. And in the, me- <laughs> in the meantime, I mean, there wasn't a lot of big new releases except for, in my... I, as I try to look back over the last four weeks, no big releases that we had to say no to. Uh, Borat, we could have done last weekend, but the the two films that are new releases that we're doing tonight. But Borat, fourteen years later, everyone's seen the two thousand and six. In my opinion, I guess we need to talk about the first one for a little while. Uh, comic masterpiece, the first Borat. I'm a huge fan of that movie. I'm a huge fan of Sasha Baron Cohen. I'm a huge fan of Ali G. The show where Borat was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, See, for- I missed. I missed that. Yeah, didn't have Ali G in my right. life. I was too young. Uh, That's that makes sense. I would Borat, think Ali G, and the character Ali G, you'd really actually appreciate. I, I'm. I've seen little clips and bits and pieces, and I do think that Ali G is a funny character. But the show itself, like, yeah. what was that? Two thousand four. Yeah, it was Somewhere early 2000s, there. 2003, so, 2004. I yeah. mean, I mean just when I mean when Borat came out, I was 14, and so before, you know, 11 or 12 years old when Ali G's on definitely Look, Carlos, I'm glad we're in the room together, but you don't have to impress us with your youthful <laughs> vigor and vitality. We've already gone back to I don't you. David, I mean, I was a huge Borat fan when Borat. When Bo- I knew of Borat, mm-hmm. and I thought that movie hit pretty perfect when it came out, the first one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was an anticipated film. I had enjoyed uh, the Ali G show when it was on HBO. Was definitely um, had the DVDs. That was back in the day, uh-huh. you know, when you had the. And I remember showing them to people yeah. when we were hanging out. It was a fun thing. Introducing to put on. Borat to people that had never seen it before and explaining it to <laughs> right. them. Right, and the Bruno character. I mean, all yeah. three of them feature on that series. But then to find out that he was doing a feature length film based on the Borat character or using the Borat character. It was exciting. And I remember, I mean, that was a film where I remember buying the tickets for an opening night screening for me and a group of friends. It was when I was in grad school, going there and anticipating it and, you know, laughing our butts off. And what what can they do? I've seen the TV show, so what could they possibly do for 90 or more minutes? Right. And they did it hard. Yeah. And he went hard. Yeah. And he exposed some things that I think, you know, Needed a little bit of exposure in that first film. I'm thinking of the RV scene and the overt racism and the. Sure. I mean, these are 14 years ago. Seems so quaint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Or or you'd think like people would have been chased. We've changed, right? Chastened by this, like, oh, this was terrible that we let these things be seen, or or, or that we were willing to play into these things. You would think people would be, but. It, but given what's happened politically in the country, it kind of makes perfect sense. Sure. That and I, I feel that they, I hear, our research rather, that they, that they rushed this to come out before the election. Right. But yeah, they've been was, making pretty... it, you know, of course, uh, Who is America, the Showtime series. Yeah. We're getting more and more acclimated to the idea that this guy, who, who acts in other movies as well, but as when he returns, yeah, when he returns to these characters, he 
could get you. Be careful. And I guess I, you know, the internet helps whisper that in 2019, oh my God, Borat himself has been cited. They're they're up to something. Yeah. And then of course an appearance at a um, gun rally. I can't remember the state. Yeah. Where it was kind of exposed that Sasha Baron Cohen was doing a different character, and he's seen as Borat. What is happening? Then the trailer drops, and then really quickly they get into our lives via Amazon Prime, the new Borat film. And he's got a daughter, and he's been in slave labor, and he's released from slave labor if he can. Slave labor, of course, for embarrassing the country because of the shenanigans of the first film. Yes. Uh, But they send him on a mission to give a gift of the prized minister of... um, uh, Not not entertainment, but uh, propaganda. Yeah. The minister of propaganda, the monkey... Uh, to give a gift. Johnny the monkey, right? Johnny, Johnny the monkey, monkey, give it to uh, yes. M- uh, Michelle Pence and uh, <laughs> to try to get in Kazakhstan in the good graces of America. Right. Again. And then everything goes afoul when the daughter, who he meets for the first time in the farmhouse, how's the beer? He, uh, <laughs> She sneaks into the crate, eats the monkey, and then together they decide to give her as the gift to Michael Pence instead. Yeah. So, yeah, they're giving... The daughter, which, you know, we got the plot out of the way. When I, when it, this was first brought up, I mean, every, the thought on everyone's mind is, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows. Like, it was a huge... Huge hit. Huge hit. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows the character, if not just for the quotables. <laughs> the answer, you, know? you go deeper into the South? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. is the answer. And, and so that was obviously the first thing that I thought of, I think a lot of people thought of. And, yeah... Deeper in, he did definitely go deeper into the south. Definitely tried to find places where he could get away with it, and he did. But also disguises. Mm-hmm. He, you know, yeah. the Borat. He's disguised as a Borat character who's disguised as other people and things like that. Right. Obviously, the daughter is a new thing that mm-hmm. could maybe. The daughter uh, takes place of the old manager, of course, he, that he had the nude wrestling yeah. scene with in yeah. the climax of the first film. I forgot about which that. is incredible. I mean <laughs> yeah. uh, but amazing. It's where do we want to where do we want to start with? <laughs> well, no, you're right. The first scene in America is him being recognized on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that that was just kind of a setup shot where Borat walks down the street and people recognize Borat and we capture that footage. It's, sure. it's going to be that yeah. simple. So then he goes to a Halloween store uh, or a costume store at Halloween time to gather... Um, no, the store was called Halloween Yeah, you're something. right. Yeah. To yeah. gather Halloween costumes. And then now, instead of going out as Borat, he, he interacts with his daughter as Borat, his, mm-hmm. the father. Right. But then when he goes out for his scams now, he's dressed up as Borat, dressed up as someone else. Yeah, he's got a fat suit. And you have to buy it. Yeah, I want to look like an American. Yeah. Give me the fat suit. <laughs> yeah. I, you have to buy that, that, that. That's the conceit they're going with. Or you go with, this is a Borat movie and it's a fantastic device. Because it's a fantastic device. It allows yeah. him to be a little more subversive in different ways. Now, I, I tried to do a little bit of research. Uh-huh. Do we know if like anything was staged or scripted? For certain in, in this one, you're saying? or Yeah. <laughs> The biggest one that I'm curious about is the is is the babysitter. Yeah. Uh, the woman that he drops uh what is her name? The Tutar? Tutar. Tutar. Yeah. Uh off at, uh, some of that seemed like I was like there's no way this lady doesn't is not in know on the what's joke. Going on. Yeah. She's about to go get big breast uh, surgery enhancements. Yeah. Like yeah. now the scene after that where 
she goes into the like Republican, like women of uh-huh. whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's definitely seemed like they didn't know what the fuck was happening because you can see it in their and there's definitely scenes where you can tell okay this person clearly does not know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But then there's some other times where I questioned it. Uh, but I'm not sure. Him dressing up as Trump was hilarious. Yeah, that was like <laughs> pretty fucking great. Which for me, I, I feel like there's got to be a ton of footage that they got that w- was probably didn't work for the film and didn't, but that would have been interesting just from a observational standpoint to see of how people were reacting to this guy in this strange Donald Trump costume lurking Carrying around the pack. Yeah, right, right. Um, especially once he's carrying the girl. It, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying, Carlos. And it was kind of that way with the first film, too, where I think there were certain, like, Pamela Anderson, I know, was in on it in that okay. first film. I mean, like, some stuff has emerged, I think, right. since then that makes it clear, yes, certain people were told more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely some people that were mad about this one. Yeah. Like oh, absolutely. The, the social media influencer girl, uh Towards the beginning, yeah. who's like telling her like, "Oh, you have to be weak, and yes, you have to be right. subservient and stuff." Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, she's saying those things, and she's come out re- since, you know, kind of coming after Sasha Baron Cohen because she was told it was for something else, and she felt duped and like all this stuff. And it's like, "Well, bitch, I, I, like you said that, <laughs> yeah. you said well, those things." I mean, that's kind of the response the first time too. It's like, <laughs> right, yeah, as case duped law. as you were, if yeah. you were willing to go along, even if you thought these were friendly people who shared lady? your views, the fact that you're expressing your views, yeah, makes it kind of hard to say that they're doing something to misguide. The, you know, the mislead. cake lady was bad. Yeah. That one was really bad. When she, without a blank, wrote Jews will not replace us on the <laughs> yeah. top of a cake. Doesn't even... And smiley faces? Uh-huh. Yeah. All of, like, And he, he asked for a smiley face. Uh-huh. She draws a bunch of smiley faces. Well, there's a, bun- there's a bunch added it out, I mean, on those small points. I I didn't catch that any of it... I think the babysitter was real. Okay. And, there's, and there's been since the film came out... She's some, one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Oh, I, she's loved her. She's the most sympathetic character in the entire thing. Yeah, there's a big um, the GoFundMe thing to make a... <laughs> I, okay, the most sympathetic real-world person in the The most sympathetic thing. Mark. Yeah. 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 Um, but what... I mean, you had to do something different because we've seen it before. We talked about this last week with uh, Babysitter. Mm-hmm, the, yeah. the, the, the sequel has to be bigger and broader... Right. And as hard as they went after the subjects of the satirical, you know, pitchfork mm-hmm. in the first movie, I mean, they, I imagine this one was scripted a bunch more. This is, these are specific points that we want to make based on the political climate and the general climate of American right. culture right now. Yeah. And, and I mean, there is, you know, strangely at the heart of this movie, it's about a father growing to like and developing his love and his relationship for his daughter it's like kind of very heartfelt at its core mm-hmm. if you like really look at the actual narrative part of it um but yeah i mean well it's every- all it's essentially pulling someone with horrible views about women into a modicum of of normalcy and it and it and it's you know trying to show that like I think I think it's I think the Borat character and the 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 narrative with his daughter in this one while we're seeing real life right wing craziness going on I think what he is serving as is a, a kind of reminder that for a lot of people 
it's really just ignorance. And if you can be, if you can like expose people to more than just their small Texas town or whatever, then people do have the capacity to change and develop and grow just like this character does. And so I think there's a little bit of like optimism there uh, from Sasha Baron Cohen in that regard. But then also he's singing at this rally about like, I mean, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that was the one that I had seen leaked before the film. Like, you know, because right. there was footage of that. Because, you know, this was that gun rights he rally in uh, in Olympia, Washington. And, you that know, that was a gun rights rally? Yeah. I thought, okay. I think so. In the in the film, it's pitched as March a, for our rights. Yeah. In, in yeah. the film, it's pitched as like an anti lockdown rally. Well, I think it's kind of both. Okay. I think, but yes, I think you're right. The, the March for Our Rights, I think, did have to do with, uh, yes, government-imposed lockdowns. You're, you're right. Absolutely. Um, and that, But why not knock out gun rights, too, while we're all here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they go hand in hand. They do. Really. Um, but yes, ha- having him there and, and singing along, and that the crowd was singing along, and that they were just ready for it. And they looked stoked. Like yeah. some of the people they close up on that are just like, yeah, like I can't. I know there was the inject him with the Wuhan flu, but there was the, what was the other one that was more violent? Um, it was something bad. like the Saudis do. Something right? like yeah, chop them up, chop like them the up like the Saudis do. do. Yeah, when, which like when America, when Americans became like sympathetic to this like regime in Saudi Arabia. When that happened, I missed it. I didn't get the. <laughs> I didn't get the newsletter. Apparently, I must have put well, it in the spam folder. Well, people bad enough to chop up like the Saudis do. You're not really being sympathetic to the Saudis. You're just taking a cue from the Saudis' propensity to be able to chop people up. Yeah, right. Sure, you're you're yeah. admiring their willingness to uh, yeah. to snuff out the uh, human the vermin, life, the vermin, because sure. you know they aren't even human at that point. They're liberals via knives. <laughs> um, I though would say that this does not have quite the bite as the original because it is not the original. It suffers from that. And so many sequelized films do the same thing. You just didn't quite capture the exact magic in the bottle that you had the first time. So many laughs in this movie, in my opinion. So many laughs in this movie. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a sequel. It is. I, I, I agree precisely with the point you're making it was how i felt like the, it it's hard to match the the novelty and the excitement even though it was an established character mm-hmm. even though there were these that they were able to thread it together with this kind of you know admittedly somewhat loose narrative um and have it make sense develop certain have the character actually grow and develop over the course of the first film sure that was quite a feat and it was amazing to see and it was a lot of fun even when the the bruno movie came out which i like i do too it didn't feel quite as exciting because okay i've seen this you know basic setup before the concept it didn't really do a whole lot to expand upon that. It did it again. It did some new... And and this is kind of the same thing. I think what's new about it is this particular political moment that we're living through. Sure. And the pandemic and all, you know, which has been politicized. Um, and so for that reason, it f- I think it picked or he picked probably the best time since the last sure. Borat film to do something like this again. So I think... He, he capitalized on a moment, and I don't even want to, I don't even think it's that naked. I think there is a genuine um, p- 
public service that he's trying to render. I mean, I'm glad he it is exists. A, he is an entertainer. Mm-hmm. He does make money from these. Right. I don't want to lose sight of that. Like there, there is a business element to this, but. I do think, especially with the first Borat film, this Borat, the Ali G show, I think there is this idea that he is trying to, A, do what you were talking about, Joe, expose us to the fact that, yes, a lot of people have very sort of backwards opinions, but part of it is just they're not exposed to to anything outside of themselves and their small community and their small you know town that has like-minded people surrounding them and once they do maybe things do shift so i think that's interesting but the other is to expose the hypocrisy of those who are in power right sure. and, and and the or the nefarious uh behind the scenes of those who are in power and that i think we get here with um especially the giuliani scene which Jeez. i think we're you know we have to address we, the most talked about aspect of this film once it got uh, fully put on display. Now, you bringing that up is a good segue into me just briefly giving my takeaway or my reaction to this movie. I, there were some laughs. I didn't get it. There weren't any like big laughs, but I think the thing for me that made this not maybe quite hit as hard as the first one did or that maybe wasn't as impactful is that none of the behavior displayed was shocking to me. Like, I was not surprised by people singing along to chop them up like the Saudis do. I wasn't surprised with with two guys living in some cabin somewhere saying that the Democrats should have less rights than us. Like, none none of this stuff was surprising to me. Just like the Giuliani scene wasn't surprising to me. To a certain extent, when it first came out before I saw the film, part of me was like, is he really this dumb? And then I thought about it for literally 15 seconds. And I was like, yes, of course he's this dumb. He's one of the most incompetent like buffoons in politics right now and how he still has any... Re- relevancy. Relevancy, how he's still employed by somebody like is absolutely beyond me. Like He is totally unhinged. I think he's borderline demented at this point. I mean... And for him to get caught on camera doing this and to get caught on camera, not just in that moment, but in literally every single frame leading up to it being a total fucking creep. Mm -hmm. I was just like, he is presented creepy, no doubt about it. And he is a creepy guy. (laughs) I think that inherently he is a creepy dude. I think he is a very, you know, amoral, nefarious character. And the scene is interrupted when Borat rushes in. I wish we could have let it go just a few seconds more. Like, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I mean, it, it felt like it would have only gotten worse, and, and but which would have probably sealed the whole deal, mm-hmm. which I think speaking to Baron Cohen and how he normally operates, there's got to be a huge level of restraint that he's exercising because, I you know, for one thing, if I was in his shoes, I'd be either laughing or frowning or vomiting or you know, reacting in some way to the stuff that I'm seeing unfold and that he's able to like hold back enough to keep himself in, in check. But I do I do think that might have been a moment where things just got so nutty and maybe he hadn't even anticipated that Giuliani would go along as much as he had mm-hmm. and felt like, oh my God, I need to stop before we have this man expose himself on camera and we end up with something. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would like to have seen a few more frames. But, <laughs> um, Carlos, I think that that's the interesting part of the satire here is that 14 short years later, the shocking stuff in Borat. Oh, my God. 
they said this racist thing is now more commonplace than we want to admit to in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I'm glad that this film exists. I'm glad that Baron Cohen exists because he, he does it with this amazing balance of satire and comedy. Mm. And that's what I love so much about the first Borat that along with the satire, there's, fisting dildo jokes I mean <laughs> woven without uh-huh. so many of that so much of that rather in here with the uh, full moon fertility ceremony <laughs> which is <laughs> Ooh, difficult to watch yes. yeah, yeah difficult bad. to watch but you know <laughs> I was laughing out loud at that <laughs> sure <laughs> now you what what is even what I think is more disturbing which takes place by the way of the nude wrestling and they needed like they thought they, they like the gross out big yeah. gag that was it for this film yes it was and what I think is even more disturbing about that scene is literally just the concept of like debutante balls oh yeah sure. like oh, everyone that, that got poked in this movie I have no problem with them getting poked. Well, no, not at all. But I just think the fact that in 2020, those exist. Is some of like the small talk banter that gross. was going on around the room. It's so gross. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's, you know, for those listeners that just stumbled upon this for whatever reason, I am sure you're out there. Uh, we are a world-renowned podcast, but we, uh, we do record this <laughs> from the South. And so, like, I know that that's a thing. Like, yeah. yeah, we have them here. Yeah. I've DJed a dead party before. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're not. It's not what that was. Uh, right. This was more just a parents letting their kids get fucked up and like paying for some elaborate party or whatever. It, more than it was an actual like, here's my daughter. Somebody marry her. Although there yeah. was a little bit of that in it, but uh, it's it's fucked up. Like it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's old. And, it's old Southern tradition. That's. How is having it still difficult, around? It's having difficult. It's having difficult. Well, and it's not even Southern, but I think, you know, part of what they're po- You're pointing right, David, to is right. that this is something that has been done culturally throughout the centuries because of patriarchy and the, the idea that, you know, men own their daughters until they are sold off or, uh, you know, given to a new family to marry a husband who then owns her. It's you know also a I mean? machine, though, for rich people to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, yeah. I mean, that yeah, is a no, large gets, part of it, at it, least in the city that we come from. It gets meshed it's, with the other cultures. It's a dick measuring on. contest. But yes. then if you trace it back through, like, why do we do these things? Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, why Why do we have Sweet Sixteens? Why do we have... It's like this announcement that this, oh, this girl I see what you're saying. is a woman now. Right. Yeah. And and she's no longer going to be the property of her father. Soon. I will now interview suitors. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And, and and you're right about the, about the dick measuring thing, because, you know... At oh, least, sure. I mean, it's how, who threw the biggest party? Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, wait, yours, you only rented out two of the rooms of the country club, not all four? Oh. Mm. Uh, wow. Because are, 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 y'all Johnson, doing, are y'all doing okay? Yeah. It's a little weak Because the Johnson's got all how's four your, rooms over at King's <laughs> Crossing. <laughs> yeah. But when I, I mean, mentioned King's Crossing, now I've aged myself out. <laughs> I, I went to, I went to those I went parties. parties. They were at, awesome. I went to a few parties at King's Crossing Country Club before they demoed it, they before the, they closed down. They were these weird parties where parents cl- uh, closed a blind eye to the amount of alcohol that the kids were oh, drinking, yeah. out, but 364 days of the, out of the year otherwise, yeah. that was not tolerated. The dead party well, Tonight, that, it's like, do shots. Yeah, the dead party I DJed, it like, and I, I, I knew how old they were because they were all my brother's age, and I saw kids in okay. the audience, in like the crowd, 
that had been to my house to hang out with my brother years prior, uh-huh. you know? So I knew like, okay, you're 18, you're 17, you might, you're probably 19 maybe. And they're just double fisting, like, yeah. dos Equis. I mean, it's all like shit because they're fucking kids and they don't know any better. But they've got two Dosekis in hand dressed, oh, you know, thinking they're so cool because they've got lime and salt on Lots the, of the, the back of the bottle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, come 10, 10 30, and Mr. Brightside comes on and they're all just like, ah! <laughs> just like losing their minds, you know? And, well, we digress. Just, yeah. Yeah. just a tad. Yeah. No, I was glad to see Borat was back. I laughed heartily throughout. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it did not pack the wallet. Yeah, it would it would be tough. It would be tough to be able to recreate that. And and there was a part of me going into it that worried that is this even worth mm. rehashing the character, bringing it back, doing this whole thing. But I do think, you know, again, hats off to Sasha Baron Cohen. He is an inventive enough guy that, you know, through some of these things, the idea that Borat has to disguise himself, bringing in the daughter and having the father-daughter relationship, you know, moving throughout the country to different spaces than they'd gone before. I, I think there's enough there that if you're somebody who is even passingly interested in the first one, you're going to find something oh, yeah. here. I mean, this this is... This is a lot of funny in the movie. Yeah, yeah. This isn't like a step down in the way where, oh, don't bother, it's going to kill the first one. Right. This is... It's a Fre- new... Freddy 2 to Nightmare <laughs> 1 as opposed to Friday the 13th 2 to Friday the 13th 1. Right. Sure. Uh, <laughs> now, you know, I will say, for those of y'all that followed along for October, I did see... Freddy's Revenge, the second nightmare, mm-hmm. and Verdict. Dream Warriors. Freddy's Revenge, <laughs> it just seems that th- the person who wrote that screenplay had not only not written a screenplay before, but had never seen a film or <laughs> read a book or it consumed any storytelling whatsoever, but there are some scary moments in it. Dream Warriors is cool, but it's uh, it's not a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a comedy fantasy. Co- comic, comic booky. Yeah. Like yeah. team up, Avengers assemble. Yeah. We're the Dream Warriors. We're going to get him. Freddy. You know? But right. there was some fucked up stuff in there. Like he, yeah, anyway, we'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe after hours we'll, we'll get this into farmhouse. Yeah, well, well, you know, we, we dropped ourselves in the middle of everything here. What, what, what are we thinking? I'm, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed. I mean, for the for the first offering from a Kansas brewery here, Kent Falls, Kansas showing up hard. I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, because this is an an easy style. Yeah, it is. to pull off. You know, we 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 prize our Jester King here in Texas in part because they've been able to to really nail it in so mm-hmm. many ways. Um, but it but it's a feat, and that's why you celebrate it when people do it well. And from this experience here with Kent Falls, um, and, and I guess I should also give uh, credit to their collaborator, Casa Agria, I think these guys are right up there. I mean, they, they it seems like, at least based on this, that they are in the, the ballpark of uh, Jester King and other sort of uh, celebrated farmhouse breweries. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, it's, uh, it is, it's, it's kind of light, but all you know it has a complex flavor profile to it. I mean, there's like oh, there's stuff going on there. It is executed very well though, and it is very drinkable. It, um, I think it's just the perfect amount of tartness. Th- I agree. I mean, it, it's there. Yeah, and it takes you to the line. Almost not a. It, it's like not even quite enough to get you to like pucker. It's just kind of like it's there. It's riding along. It kind of cuts it a little bit. It's. Yeah. I, I think it's. 
amazingly well balanced. Yeah, it's an excellent beer. They they may have a little more oh like um they could go a little more tart and it would still be drinkable maybe sure. uh-huh. but not much. Yeah. I think if it was m- well what I like about it is is somehow it's allowing some of the fruitiness which is always there with a farmhouse ale but I'm getting like a little bit more lime and almost like yeah. I, I mean almost like a hint of pineapple or something hidden in there that I don't usually associate with farmhouse ales I think in part because they get so tart that it kind of overwhelms and it just becomes really like it's hard to differentiate what am I picking up here but this yeah. is you know getting some pomegranate yeah I could I could get that yeah it's good I didn't stuff. think that hard about it as I was drinking I was just enjoying myself <laughs> Uh, Carlos is like, I'm getting some drunk. <laughs> All right. nah, it's well, at five point three, not not too much. Oh, I'm so excited to be in the room with you guys. Not too much. Man. Me too, and I'm excited to uh, talk about another film, which Carlos has kind of already hinted at uh, where we're going w- with a little side comment, and our our very uh, discerning listeners may already know where that is. But uh, everybody looked at the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like a lot of our listeners like to go in blind oh, and just course. hear where we take it's them. It's a new beer in the movie. Just push play. That's yeah, right. Just, yeah, just push play. Subscribe. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we've got another that. beer and another movie when we return. And we're back! Awesome. <laughs> For a uh, cocaine-fueled second half of the episode. <laughs> Given the... I, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't imagining we were going to get out the, the big I brought the shrooms. Prize. Okay, well... Yeah. I was just trying to well, get us in the mood. Given well, the, that given would make the more sense director. than cocaine for yeah, this one. I don't, yeah. where's, where's your cocaine from? Well, Aaron Sorkin? Oh, okay. Oh, yes, boy. the screenwriter-director. Yeah, okay, that's... Big cocaine. Uh, cocaine <laughs> no, that makes sense. Day. I was thinking more the 60s. and, and like the, oh, yeah. I was, was thinking Sorkin. It was really yeah. the, and the, the late 70s, 80s. The that pace the of cocaine. dialogue. I just yeah. figured we'd smoke grass. <laughs> yeah. Well, be, before we, we get any other drugs in our system, let's get some beer in our glasses. And uh, right now, we are getting ourselves some... Uh, Revision Brewing, our first time with Revision, uh, they are another new state what? for us. Yeah. Boom! That's four new states in two episodes. I know. We, we're really knocking them what out What are we going to do next week? <laughs> some, some tried and true, probably. <laughs> but, uh, a little saloon door action. This is their Smashing Sandcastles. It is a New England-style hazy India pale ale. Hazy as hell. Uh, 6%. Alcohol by volume, so not, not the heftiest of hazies, but uh, we're, we're going to hope that it's a tasty one. I'm see, it looks awfully hazy. I see it in Carlos's glass across the room here, and very hazy, and it's got uh, a delicious hazy. bouquet. <laughs> well, exciting! The biggest, baddest, smoothest hop monster you never saw. This beer brings the thunder with hops <laughs> exclusively from Down Under. Intermingling notes of passion fruit, pineapple, lime, and pine from Waimea. Motuika. Motuika, Vic Secret, and Galaxy Hops. Uh, yeah, 6%. 38 IBUs. Sparks, Nevada. Nevada, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Yes. Welcome to the show. Welcome yeah, to... Really quite a quite a crazy, eccentric al- uh, album art. Uh, can art. Yeah, is that a gingerbread man? It what, really what looks like thing? it, but it's not. It, yeah. But it definitely looks like it. It's it's just like a big monstrous kind of I don't even know four toed creature wearing flip flops smashing sandcastles. But it's David. got pigtail. No no no, those are uh, horns. 
right? No one should ever. It's be like a monster. I never thought when we started the the uh, podcast that we'd say during the second segment that well there were two new Sasha Baron Cohen releases <laughs> recently, <laughs> but that's exactly what happened. When I think we this, were talking about what we could pair with this, mm-hmm. I mean w- w- we we went through a few options, but it, as Joe's saying, I mean how often do you have uh, an actor with two? major releases really kind of right on top of each other in the month of October. So And with movie theaters still not, you know, able to really create a calendar where we're going there. Yeah. This is a new net Netflix release and uh right. widely kind of promoted and very timely, just like Baby Borat. Definitely very timely. Um if you haven't figured out well did we say the name already? Let's oh, never right? say the name. Let's, let's just keep going. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Aaron Sorkin, who wrote and directed this film, uh, his film, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it follows these seven, uh, at one time eight, then reduced right. to seven. Um, plaintiffs, is that the Defendants. Defendants. Defendants, sorry. Defendants. Yeah. The plaintiff um, is the United States of America. Uh, yeah, defendants that are, yeah, I should have. Come on. Come on. Defendants that are being tried for conspiracy to incite violence around the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in 1968. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I I really talk that much more about this film without... uh, showing my hand as far as my like consensus slash review or whatever of it. The only thing I can say is that the casting in this film is slightly baffling to me. Yeah. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and Eddie Redmayne are both too old to be playing the characters that they play. <laughs> like Sasha Baron Cohen is like a 45 year old man and he is playing someone who is the head of like the young Democrats or like the, something like that. Uh, young the youth international yeah. party. Yes. Yippies. Yeah. Yippies. Yes. You're right. The yippies. And I mean the actual Abby Hoffman at this time would not be 45. I mean, he died in 89 at the age of like 54. Or something right. Like that. Right. And, Sasha Baron Cohen is, as it turns out, like a middle-aged man playing this guy. I'm, I'm uh, they didn't well, bother me it, so much. Hoffman wasn't that young. He was like in his early 30s. But yeah, he was he, in his he, early 30s. He was definitely yeah, you're right, not you're right, you're right. as old as Baron Cohen is right now. Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen is... My largest thing, like, before I saw the movie was that I'd heard of the trial of the Chicago Sasha Baron Cohen is 49. I'd heard of... I guess the Chicago riots, but I mean, being even the oldest in the room and you can play the ding Ding. effect. You can play it. You can play it. I'll do it. I make the point to say I would have been closest to Vietnam and I was very far away from it. So these, I don't know a lot about this and I think it's a testament to how much I enjoyed the movie that I immediately kind of went out and began looking into it a little, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, as soon as it ended, started looking into trying to, you know, figure out the fact and the fiction. What, That's what exactly was, where I went. Yeah, That's exactly well, where I went. This was, was a pretty decent movie, I said to myself. Yeah. How well did they present what they needed to do in the course of an hour and 40, 50 minutes, whatever it was? Two hours and 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> what was the... Yeah. It just sped by. What was created? I I will agree that I didn't. I did not feel the t- over two hour runtime yeah, of this. Yeah. It did not mm-hmm. drag at any point. 
I thought it didn't feel like it was that long. Uh, it was paced very well. I mean, as in any Aaron Sorkin film, whether he's written and directed it or just written it, the dialogue is lightning fast pace. I mean, you know, it keeps it moving in this kind of like hyper realist like way of the way that people talk to one another and stuff. Um, I d- don't care for Eddie Redmayne in most. I, I can't think of anything I've seen him in where I was really like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is my guy. And like, <laughs> I certainly didn't like love him in this. He wasn't bad, but I didn't really, I don't know. I think, I think this movie shows to me at least uh, if people were kind of on the fence that Sasha Baron Cohen is like a pretty solid actor outside yeah. of like this. I don't know if that's like a thing that everyone has decided is true or not, or if people really think that hard about it or just kind I of, I think for me it was him. Hugo. When yeah, I saw he's Hugo, great in Hugo. I, I definitely, See, I've never seen that. Yes. He's, it, he's great in it. That proved to me that he was he able was good to do Mist, things too, outside so. of what he had constructed what, right, himself. Right. Yeah. For, yeah. He is very good in this. Uh, I mean, I think that everyone except Freddie Redmayne is pretty good in this. Um, well, with the power of Borat, he's had a lot of juice in Hollywood, and the yeah. first project that he tried to tailor make for himself was playing the lead in Bohem- what became Bohemian Rhapsody. That's, oh, that's right. right. He, wanted to he would do, have been so much better. Oh, yeah, and he wanted to explore Freddie's entire... Uh, Freddie, Freddie, his entire life. Yeah. I was the, Freddie, I thought yeah, yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. of last week's <laughs> episode. Uh, his entire life and the rest of Queen that I guess had some kind of material approval. Yeah, said, yeah. we don't want to maybe look at the entire entire life. Yeah, he so, never was able to get the right. Film so now that he wanted this be. project's been around since I guess 2007 or so when Aaron Sorkin right. wrote really? it for Steven Spielberg to direct. Oh, well, it was God, I think that didn't happen. Spielberg had kind of Certainly spearheaded produced, it, yeah. with, pulled in Sorkin to try to get him to write it, yeah. and did, but yes, it kind of languished for over a decade in right. Hollywood. Because yeah. of that writer's strike back then, I think I think that was the part of it, and but then, and then I think there were other stars attached to it at various times. Sure, I know I, Will Smith was supposed to play Bobby Seale at yeah. one Ooh, point. Would, yeah. I fucks with that. Heath Ledger <laughs> was going to play Eddie Redmayne's character. That would have been much Tom better Hayden. as well. Yeah. yeah, and then of course a decade goes by. But yeah. uh, for me, I I enjoyed Can this we talk movie about very Will much. Will Smith as Bobby Seal for a second. <laughs> My God, who I think was twenty or so during playing a twenty year old. Uh, um, we're looking at the convergence of Black Panthers. We've got the, the Abby Hoffman and his crew. Um, the yippies. Uh, what's the Eddie Redmayne character's real life name Tom Thomas. Hayden. Tom Hayden, yeah. Tom Hayden, which is the same as the Godfather guy. Ye- Tom Hayden. Um, I Hagen. Hayden. I think it may be spelled differently, okay, but well, it's, I yeah. can't forget it now. Uh, <laughs> he, he was married to Jane Fonda for a they're while. They're all the, going. The real Thomas Tom Hayden, Hayden was the, the the character that Eddie Redmayne is Plays playing. Was married yes. to Jane. That makes yes. a lot of sense. Right. They're all converging on the 1968 Democratic Convention to protest the Vietnam War and. Racial, you know, everything that was going right. on in the civil rights civil movement unrest, in yeah. in the United States at the time, and then you get to see some fantastic politics, and some I fantastic, I think, I performances. <laughs> I am curious to look more into what you were saying about casting. I thought Michael Keaton was incredible in this movie. Truly, sure, yeah. hey, well, he's he's, he's just Michael incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But and I was excited when he showed up, because I did I saw, not know I he was going to be I in saw him the in the credits. Oh, see, and then, I, I And then we got that. pretty deep that. into the film, and I was like, Where's is he going to be in I, it? I, I, no, I, actually, I had totally forgotten that yeah. I had seen him in there. But as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, yes, this makes sense yeah. now. Yeah. 
I, uh, the judge over over ruling over the case is mm-hmm. played by Frank Langella, and I thought he was incredible. If he had gone one note more, it might have been farcical, yeah. but he did a great, great, great job. I mean, and like I said, when the movie was over, I went straight to the computer to start looking up what was this Chicago 7 about. So I think overall for me it was a, it was a success. And then I can get nitpicky if you need me to. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll I'll challenge you to get nitpicky here in a second. Well, I'm curious what you found anything about or I okay. This movie made me angrier okay. than anything has wow. made me in a very long time. Okay, you're an angry guy. This is this is amazing. <laughs> Let's hear I would this. not characterize myself as that, but <laughs> angry guys but, never you know, the sure. angriest dog in the world right here. Uh, I mean, you know, okay, so. In the first half of this episode, we talked about Borat's subsequent movie film to restore uh, recently. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I you were going to read the whole title. title. <laughs> oh, I, I, was, I was trying to do it from memory, but what was it? A recently disgraced nation of... Anyway. Yeah. Um, and all the things that I saw in that film, at this point I'm seeing on a pretty regular basis. You know, I have been... I, I don't I wouldn't say that I've been desensitized to it, but I definitely come to expect it. Mm. Um like anyway, that's a that's a rabbit hole. I'm not gonna do that. Uh but this movie showed you something in such a real way. And it is it's not it's not as if like this movie presented some new idea that I've never been aware of as far as like the way the judicial system is designed to work and like can work and things like that, but it showed it in a way that painfully reminded you that the people that are in power can do absolutely anything that they want. Oh, to. it made you angry for the reasons you should be angry. Yes. It, oh, good. Yeah, okay. No, all right. I thought. Sense. See, I thought you were saying that you were getting angry. I you hate Franklin Jella. And every time he came on the screen, I got angry. That's <laughs> yeah, what well, I thought. Every he was time going. he did come on the screen, I got angry. And when you were praising his performance, mm-hmm. I almost don't want to do that because mm-hmm. I fucking hate this guy. But. His performance is so good because I do, I hate every syllable that comes out of this motherfucker's right. mouth. Like right. every time he speaks, I'm enraged. I and was like, curious if it was even on the nose a little bit, maybe some more subtle notions that well, and the I, system is against these guys from the very beginning rather than the overt. But from what I understand, they used, you know, court transcripts to write a lot, most of the screenplay. And, and it also sounds like, if anything, they softened it a little bit. Like yeah. the. the from is that what, right? Well, from what I understand, there was much more barbed criticism. Like the closing statement um, wasn't them reading the names of dead soldiers oh, that from was Vietnam. Cinematic. That that was a cinematic thing. Although I think there had been at some point during the trial, there was references made to some of the dead, but not in the closing statement. That's what I would do. But at the closing for. statement, at least on I think it was Rennie Davis that actually called out the judge Hoffman and called him a you know vile racist yeah. you know whatever that he was you know part of what was prior to sentencing the, yes right that, yeah. that he was part of what was terrible with the country and that this generation was going to eat him alive or you know like yeah so I mean they they were even more pointed I think in reality than this film has them get if only to maybe get them more sympathy from the audience i'm not sure which would which makes sense uh, and and i did you know they show that 
like title card at the end that 78% of Judge Hoffman's peers found him unfit for right. his job. And so I looked it up and I mean, I, cause not, not that I didn't believe that, but just like how much evidence was there of his, you know, unfitness for mm-hmm. his position. And like, they just stopped giving him new cases at a certain point. They're just like, fuck you, dude. Like, we're not going to let you preside over, like finish what you've got. And then he fucking died. Like, a year and a half later after Is that right? they stopped yeah. after I think I think it was like a year after he had finished his caseload yeah. then he died. Um he had a heart attack from gaveling so often. Well, I know, but <laughs> but yeah, I you know I, I'm glad that uh fan of the show Josh DeLeon of Alamo Draft House projection fame and two-time guest of the podcast came into the shop earlier today because I got to talk to him about this movie a little oh, yeah? bit. Um, and we were, you know, he asked me what the next episode was and I told him and he said that uh, he and Laura had just watched Trial of Chicago 7 and he was like, man, it just like made us so angry and I was like, dude, <laughs> I like, okay, because yesterday, we're recording this on a Monday, so Sunday, I... You know, I was kind of dragging ass through the day, and, you know, we watched Borat. Um, you know, I did a bunch of cleaning around the house and stuff, and so by the time the evening came, uh, you know, we probably started watching this movie, Trial of Chicago 7, around, like, 6.30 or so, and I saw the 2 hour 10 runtime, and I was really drowsy, and uh, <laughs> and I, I, don't, I, just, I just didn't have any energy yesterday. And then by the time the movie was over, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to sleep. Like, <laughs> I was just the, it, I that, got that's so, Sorkin. You just mainline so the Sorkin. Up yeah. watching it, and and I told you know I told Josh and he was like, thank God. like I, he was like I haven't seen I don't know anyone that's seen it yet and I, ha- I haven't talked to him but I'm glad someone else had the reaction we did because we were so fucking pissed and like we talked about how certain things that are presented in the film. Like the way Judge Hoffman is represented, mm-hmm. uh, them gagging Bobby Seal, yeah. things like that. And we were talking about how, like, he was like, you know, I hope that, like, some of that stuff that's shown is ramped up for dramatic purposes because it is a film. But I don't think that it was. I mean, sadly. I don't think that it was either. When I saw that, even though it's, you know, obviously it's a film. So everything is done for dramatic effect. You're trying to keep the audience engaged and, like, tell you know, a story of, you know, over 150 days worth of trial and two hours. So, you know, usually filmmakers take liberty and I'm willing to give them those liberties and stuff. But even knowing all of that about the mechanism of filmmaking and stuff, I saw that and I was like, uh, that I'm sure that's exactly how that show went down, yeah. you know, and it's fucked. It's so fucked up, but it's worse. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think the fact that it's compressed um, the fact that, I mean, right there, Bobby Seale was bound and gagged many days before he was let out of the trial or, or his thing was dismissed, right? In the, in the film, that happens and almost right. immediately Side thereafter, immediately. They, they sever him from the case and they, and they let him go. But he was in the courtroom for multiple days doing that and, and apparently constantly wriggling out of the, the um, you know, them Head having holes, bound yeah. him, you know what I mean? Like getting out of it. So... I mean, if anything, they had to cut back on the drama, sure. if only to be able to put it into a two-hour time frame for people to be able to di- digest. It's, 
I enjoyed Sor- Sorkin's wordplay. Sure. Especially in the uh, Tom Hayden versus Abby Hoffman kind of yep. show-off scenes, show-down, mm-hmm. face-to-face scenes. I enjoyed that very much. Uh, I'm a Sorkin fan, I guess. Well, yeah, I like was... West Wing. I like American President, for God's sake. Right. And that and that was true. I mean, like that Hoffman and Hayden. Yeah, you're right. Really, were different, hated but, each but other. the same. I mean, right? they, they had the same sure. goals in mind, but, but they felt different very differently to get to about them. the yeah. tactics that they should be using to do that. And I enjoyed yeah. those aspects of it. You never don't think that that mm-hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen doing Abby Hoffman. He never well, well, he, he never gets lost in the character right. to me. But I enjoyed what he put out there. Yeah, and to me that like that's what makes this film. It angered me too. You know, it, it definitely sure. angered me. Sure, and it's supposed to, but in a way that it wanted to, it entertained me. It keeps you engaged. But yeah. it also it felt like I was seeing these are perennial issues that we deal with, where we have even those who we are simpatico with when it comes to what we want to see happen in the world, because we differ on how hard or how fast or use what tactics, what strategies we want to use. Like we can be just as, as at odds with each other who, who support the same goals and who, who want the same outcomes as we can with those who are the establishment and, and are like absolutely speaking from the real position of power where they actually hold all of the cards. And it, it's, you know, it's a frustrating film to watch because you're seeing these people, and and there is some, there is definitely some, uh, there's some triumph there. There's some great moments where you get to see them having these, you know, Ramsey Lewis on the stand and having him speak about how this is a political trial, like not a political trial in anything that had anything to do with the defendants, but political in that politicians like sniping each other and stuff. Yeah, that, it was a trial that was born out of one person politically trying to get back at another person or trying to position themselves in a certain way. And of course, like, fuck Richard Nixon, (laughs) you know, in fact, I was just watching, I think, I think we talked about this the other day or maybe it was with someone else, but, but Vanity Fair does these like breakdown videos where they'll bring in an expert on a subject to like Mm -hmm. break down the representation of that. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was watching one earlier today Mm -hmm. with a, um, uh, a presidential historian who uh, teaches out of SMU up in Dallas. Yeah. Um, and he, he, they were talking about Frost versus Nixon. That, oh, that, yeah, that film. yeah. And in it, uh, you know, there's like a scene or what, or it's like supposed to be like, I guess, the climax of, of the film. Right. Uh, and, the, and the guy's like, now, there, you know, most of this happened and, you know, this quote is kind of taken out of context and put here for dramatic effect. But what this movie really gets wrong is that in this depiction of it, Richard Nixon is being like nice and he was not a nice person. He was <laughs> yeah. a fucking asshole. You know? Right. Uh, so fuck him. And it makes sense that his administration would have done some bullshit like this. But uh, Spe- speaking of Frank Langella playing Nixon in Frost Nixon. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I've never oh seen yeah. That. No, that's yeah. That's the same fantastic. guy who plays okay. Judge Hoffman in this film. And well, I, he's good at being a fucking asshole. Then, <laughs> yeah. and and I mean, but, but an asshole who comes off with like a veil of like, oh, he's just an old man. Like if yeah. if if you don't listen to what he's saying, it sounds fine. But as soon as you you listen to the actual dialogue, you're yeah. like, oh, this and is terrible. There's, uh, and and there's so much about. I mean, there's so much about this trial that, like even can't be covered in this film. Like yeah. the, 
assassination of Fred Hampton. Right. Uh, like, there's a, I mean, there was an inquest. Like, there was, it yeah. was presented to a grand yeah. jury. There was a lawsuit, a civil rights lawsuit in 1978. His, you know, I'm assuming uh, girlfriend or partner, Deborah Johnson, gives birth to their son four weeks after he's killed. Yeah, like yeah. there's like so much more happening just in the peripheral of the, of what was going on in the mm-hmm. trial itself that, you know, this movie's never going to have time to get to. And it's, I mean, I don't know the fact, I think this movie made me angry, but it also really depressed me in a serious way because like this, how long ago was this? And this shit is still like not, there ha- not a lot has changed. Just the people that are in power doing the fucked up stuff are just more out in the open and willing to be like, ah, and, fuck you, we're doing what we're and doing. And cameras prevent you from being able to gag and tie a guy in the corner. I, I do yeah. want to point out Mark Rylance, yeah. who played William Kunstler, uh, the defense counsel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know a lot about this guy. He's a, he turns out he's a big... He won that English he, stage performer. He won the Oscar for that shitty Steven Spielberg movie, didn't he? Bridge of Spies didn't he win for that. He was in Bridge of Spies. Did he win an Oscar? I for think that? he won supporting. Oh, he, and he's been he's in, incredible he's, in this movie. We've actually he's reviewed so at least one film with him. He, he was in Ready Player One. <sighs> I didn't see that movie. <laughs> that was that was at a period. What? Was that, that before? That, no, no. I was I was on that episode, but you didn't get to see it. That was at a period where I found it acceptable to every now and then not see all the films. Uh, <laughs> well, we, he was we, in we, that. we are past I that. Think whenever beer in a movie ends, <laughs> it will be revealed Wait, to you that the entire purpose was to mature you. No. So yeah, well, that's Ready good Player One you, was not the film. It's to, good that you show up that. having watched the movies that we intend on reviewing. We do appreciate it. Yeah. We well, and and also unless back, you're drowsy. And also back then, well, there was four Dunkirk. of us. He was in Dunkirk as well. Oh, yeah. So, he, I mean, he yeah, he's great. He's so good in this movie, in yes. my opinion. He is pretty good Fantastic. in this movie. I was I was annoyed to see him because of his Spielberg affiliation. That's like what I know him most directly from. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, this fucking guy. That's why you hate Henry Thomas. And and then it was and then he was pretty good. In, I mean, I actually thought everybody gave really great, with the exception yeah. of. With the exception of Eddie Redmayne, who didn't give a bad performance, he yeah, just he didn't fine. give a great one. He was, yeah, he was fine. I think everyone else kills it. Like, yeah. even though I will be critical, I, you know, I will say like Sasha Baron Cohen is ridiculously cast in this movie. Yeah, and there's nothing that and will, you never lose him in the character. There, uh, in my, did y'all, did you ever think I, I, I'm not watching I him? It, I mean, he has such he has such a distinctive face. Yeah, like there it would take a lot of makeup for it him to not look like him you know like some people like you know more nondescript looking like white men can with costuming and a hairstyle mm-hmm. or maybe facial hair can the rock get, get Whoever. lost yeah sure <laughs> get get become another person more sure. easily yeah. but Sasha Baron Cohen is not one of those people um but at a certain point, I did just through seeing him on stage doing his yeah. like spoken word thing and like the different uh, him and him and Jerry Rubin's interaction. Jeremy Strong, another great performance. Yeah, he's, yeah he was good. He's yeah. great. I think I think their relationship and their interactions and how that how the character of Abby Hoffman is developed throughout the film. I didn't ever forget it was Sasha Baron Cohen, but I started to believe him more. And so despite the fact that you can't convince me that that was a bad casting decision because of the massive age discrepancy, I do still think that it was, that he was very good in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I believed him as that character. Now, 
one thing that I absolutely have to get off my chest is the ridiculous attempt to redeem Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character at the end of the film. Yeah. It is absolutely preposterous (laughs) that anybody would ever think that we would give two fucks about this piece of shit at the end of the movie. Though though I think otherwise he did a great job. No, he's good in it, but he's good in it because I fucking hate him. The same way that the judge is good, I, I hate him in a different way, in a less, like, oh, you're a truly intrinsically evil person. Like, Judge Hoffman is an evil person and a blatant racist and somebody who (laughs) has decided the fate of a trial before he even enters the courtroom. Whereas Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is just a spineless, boot-licking fucking... Taking a good, yeah, taking he, a good job, a good. Yeah, day. he's right, just like, oh, right. well, I gotta do what I was told. He got I mean, his marching I mean orders, he's, yeah. I mean, he's the fucking classic. Like, I don't hate the Jews, but right. Hitler's gonna bring the economy back. I guess I'll work at this right. uh, as a guard at this camp. A little Nazi. Yeah, little Nazi, not big, lowercase yeah. Nazi, not yeah. uppercase, yeah. and and that's him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's who this guy is, and he's such a fucking cunt. And the fact that any anybody, <laughs> I think that's that, our first cunt on on beer in a movie. That is, no, it's not. I was no, we've, said, we've done cunt before. I've definitely I don't have my before. spreadsheet in front of me, but I'll give you some cunt data. <laughs> this is our first visit tomorrow. To cunt. <laughs> but I, I, I know I have definitely said it before. But that he is because, like, I mean, I don't know. To he, he definitely holds views that I do not agree with. Like he obviously thinks, I mean, he says it very matter of factly in the beginning that he thinks these people are like, you know, whatever, not great people and doesn't agree with them and yada, yada, yada. But he also says that he doesn't think that they committed a crime that's indictable. He says it very clearly. Yeah. And then, you know, just for the sake of his paycheck or his political positioning or however he wants to develop as a political yeah. person, right. it's just like, I don't think that these people committed a crime, but I'm still going to send them to jail anyway because fuck them. You know, like, That's you know what attorneying what? is all about. It's not about what is the truth. It's about what you can I, prove. I know, which yeah. is why I didn't go to law school. That's why I quit law school. Well, and it... You went to law school? I went to but half of law school. <laughs> I, my, enti- my entire undergrad, I duped my parents into uh, paying for a philosophy degree because you're under gonna the, go to under law the, school, yeah, yeah. under the, the guys. Yeah, that's I'm the best, go to law school. G- great scam. Yeah. I did it twenty, uh, twenty, uh, fourteen years before maybe you did. Yeah, last semester. I don't think it's for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, okay. even what? even outside Damn, of the Come actual on. law profession, <laughs> I think it's I think it is a great depiction of the kinds of compromises that people enter into when they go into the the political realm that they, you they know, ultimately is it's a story that's interesting to tell this is a very very oh, fascinating sure. chapter of american history a charged one one yeah. that was very much a media yeah. uh spectacle sure that i mean because of hoffman because sure. of rubin and sure. their antics and well because of the vietnam war all of it i mean vietnam yeah. war what what the nixon administration wanted it to be I sure mean, it was there a were... polarizing idea. Yeah. These people are either revolutionaries that are taking America in a pathway that we need to take it to. Which they were. Or they're, or they're you know, terrorists. Terrorists. Fermenting uh, violence. Sound and, yeah. familiar? They're burning our cities down. Yep. Yeah. It's just, <sighs> cra- it's just crazy to me that... It's a, it was an effective courtroom drama. It, it was. It, and it, it was, was okay. very good... The craziest part to me is that a witness went on the stand that denied five different people permits to gather 
peacefully yeah. and safely in a public park, and a jury would still indict them. Sure. Yeah. It would still convict them. Right. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, yeah. A different and, time, Carlos. A different time. No, because that would still happen today. <laughs> that would 100% still happen today. You're right. And, you know, to, to your point earlier about, like, that you can disagree with people that are trying to achieve the same as you. Like, I, like, I've had those conversations with like quote unquote like radical like leftist or radical progressive like mm-hmm. friends who are just wholly uninterested in the electoral process and like putting people in office or like at least have been historically and I think are coming starting to come around and that were and it was just so interesting seeing the Abby Hoffman character who's just like we're gonna agitate and we're gonna do this and mm-hmm. then Thomas Hayden, who's like, if you don't get people elected, it doesn't fucking mean anything. And like that, those are real conversations that I've had with people, you know, conversations that I've witnessed or, you know, have. And it's too, it's not, they're they're not opposing because we said it earlier. They're coming to the same potential goal from two different paths. Mm -hmm. You can agree with both of them. Are they congruous? Can those two ideas exist? Yeah. Yeah, you need them both. All right, I think you know. Do we need this beer? <laughs> Do we need it? I I don't in our need, life. I don't need it. I personally. need that Kent Falls farmhouse from the yeah, first half. Absolutely. I need that in my life. That's delicious. Yeah, that one I need. This Do one. Do I need uh, this one I'm okay smashing with. sandcastles in my life? Th- this is a good hazy IPA. I I don't have any. Uh, any sort of reservation in saying that this is one that I would be happy to be drinking if it was on tap someplace, if I could grab these cans easily. Is it one that I would seek out and that I would, you know, crawl over glass and <clears throat> hot coals? To, no. I mean, it's, it's not it's, a Frank it's, and Froyo. It, <laughs> right. It's, it's not. Did you take tear gas for this beer? Maybe? No, right. I, I, I wouldn't start a riot to, to, uh, to be able to get to this beer. But I think it's, you know, it's a good hazy IPA. I think, unfortunately, it, you know, full disclosure, uh, oh gosh, what is the can date here? It's like July. It's, it's July. So we're a few months, I, I mean, I would say we're probably a good month past its prime in terms of all of the hop qualities that we might have gotten from it. So maybe I feel like I two. need... Huh? Maybe even two. Maybe, maybe. So yeah, I, feel I feel like, like we September need to give it a little bit of a, an adjustment there. There needs to be a little bit of a correction for, for what we're tasting. But it's not it. I mean, you're not going to tell me it's a bad beer, are you? I'm not going to. All right. I, I mean, I'm going to say that maybe there's a little more of that malty kind of sweetness than what I would... Really? See, uh, I'm not getting that. Really? I'm not getting that. I'm definitely getting, I'm definitely getting that. I was just, based on the description, expecting a little bit more of a fruity, you know, sort of burst of hops. I'm getting more sweetness from the malt than I am aroma from the hops, personally. But I could have a trash palate. Joe, do you think I have a trash palate? What are you tasting? You asked me two different questions. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to only focus on the second. I feel sorry for people like Revision that hit us after such a success. I feel sorry for people like Revision that hit us after a success in the first half, like Kent Falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. They set the expectations. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, the, and the roll of the dice was that this beer, the Kent Falls Farmhouse, is exceptional. Mm-hmm. 
So with smashing sandcastles, I'm just not as exuberant as you guys are. And I don't want to trash them. I'm so glad that we're in Kansas now. Nevada. Nevada. That's what I said. Kent was Kansas. Kent, Kent, Kent was Kansas. No, that's what I meant. I'm so glad we're in Kansas because Kent Falls was awesome. <laughs> but Nevada sucks. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Smashing Sandcastles is delivering to me a glass full of um, disappointment. Uh, I'm not enjoying it as much as you two are. That's an episode title. But sometimes... Glass full of disappointment. I trust the two of you to find something that I'm not finding. But there's a metal undercurrent right through the middle of this. And you guys know that I'm the IPA. Like, I'll take that first, please. But you're also the metal guy. You, you 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 get metallic notes and things, which That's is true. I, and you love maybe docking. it's cilantro and soap. I don't know. Yeah, but there's something in this that's just not hitting me at all, and I would not be looking for this again if I had the opportunity. And also, you you know damn well as additionally that you don't want to go down the cilantro rabbit hole again. <laughs> no, let's not. No, right? Let's not. Yeah, yeah. we let's did not. that. You brought it up. No, you're right. You brought it up. I'm not going to bring it up again. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and but you know I think that I think I'm glad that, you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm not loving it, but I'm enjoying it. I, and I think that we've had some some fairly decent pairings. I don't think we've had any taste of failure this episode, except you you being the outlier in this second. I'll be year. an outlier. I don't mind. Um, but I I I think we watched several good movies, and we uh, I would watch both of these again, and I have. You've seen Borat twice already. I've seen them both twice. You've already. seen them both twice. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Borat because I watched it and I wanted to watch it again because I knew that how much I loved the first one was tainting my view of this sequel. Okay, that's fair. The second time I enjoyed, I I, I saw, I got it more. I I, I could see the the yeah. connective tissue. Yeah, yeah. I could. Yeah, I, I, could I see appreciated that. it. I could see that. The, the, uh, I, I watched Chicago Seven again because I had an opportunity. I watched the again. I watched it alone the first time, and then someone wanted to watch a movie, and I watched it again. Okay, and it it is also gives increasing returns. So Chicago Seven, I don't know that I could do again. Maybe if I had Smashing Sandcastles, Sandcastles twice, <laughs> maybe. I could get there. Maybe if you had it super fresh. Um, well, we want to know. Uh, Kent Falls, DM me. <laughs> Slide in the DMs. Uh, yeah, we definitely want to know if you've seen Borat 2, subsequent movie film. Uh, if you have seen The Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, definitely want to hear from you if you've had any of these, uh, any beers from either brewery that we have visited, or the three breweries that we yeah, visited Casa Agria, uh, yeah. uh, this evening. And we also want to know um, how, how are you guys holding up? Because... <laughs> True. By the time you're listening to this, shit is probably super weird. <laughs> and I, at the time of this recording, am truly terrified <laughs> of what could potentially happen in the next 48 hours. Um, so let us know uh, what you think, how you're feeling. Are you okay? Were you able to get in and out of your uh, uh, your polling place safely? Uh, I, we hope, we sure hope so. Absolutely. Um, let us know. We're likely not able to solve any problem that you had, but no, let us no, know. but we're here for you, is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're going to be Trump, all right, in which case you can go fuck yourself, Carlos. Uh, everything going to be all right? Everything going to be all right? I don't know. I promise. I really don't know. Um, also, 
Shea Serrano has a really good book, How to Talk to Your Trump Supporter Friends or something oh, like that. Really? It's free. And literally every page just says, fuck you. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, that'll get through. It's like a 60-something page book. I use it's really different good. tactics. Um, I use different tactics. Anyway, you can find us and talk to us and engage with us and let us know you're okay on uh, Twitter at Beer Movie Show. Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX, Beer and Movie Podcast.com is where you can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely free. Uh, I think that's 112 episodes prior to this one uh, for your listening pleasure. Um, and you can find us on Patreon.com slash Beer and Movie Podcast. Um, for $5 a month, you can get a free bonus episode every single week. So that means every time we release an episode into our feed, that is free. There is another episode lying dormant behind the Patreon paywall just for you. Uh, that They're non-structured and fun. They're non-structured we and fun. We let our hair down. We let our hair down. Like, I, I don't y'all. edit them, so what happens happens, and that's how it goes. And skeletons in the closet just yes. come rolling right out. And it is not restricted to just beer and movies. We talk about a great many things behind the Patreon paywall. So $5 a month gets you that. You can also donate magazines less. Magazines and wine. Magazines and wine. Uh, you can also donate less if you'd like, just to feel like you've done something good for the world by helping us, uh, you know, uh, exist. Since we do release these episodes for free, we do this absolutely for free just for the love of the game. You can also donate more, too, if you're feeling extra generous. Um, but, oh, also, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. You know what the fucking deal is. <laughs> uh, I almost forgot about that. We're also on Spotify and Stitcher and all that good shit. Um, but this has been another fantastic and finally in person Back together recording. again. We're back in the saddle again. Isn't, isn't that how that song goes? <laughs> I don't know that uh, song. Back in the saddle again. I think that's a song. <laughs> um, uh, we are here for you. With arms wide open. Oh. <laughs> and on that note. Uh, this has been another great episode of Beer and a Movie. Until next time. The whole world is watching.